high atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Catholic. I'm Jen Morrow, and with me today is Mike Walsh. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jen. Uh, annoyingly, we're on Zoom today, but it's for a good reason, because we're, we're pulling in pe- fun people from all over uh, South Jersey. I'm assuming they're all in South Jersey. I- I'm actually not sure where they are right now. We do, but not so many that it'll cause problems for our listeners, but they are lovely people because we have like three seminarians on and the, the Catholics love the, the, the soon to be baby priests. They, they're, they're like, it's like, it's like seeing a puppy. So they get to listen to puppies today. It's nice. When we have them on, when we introduce everybody, I'm going to ask them if they like being called baby priests. Well, they're not baby priests yet, so they don't get a they don't get a choice. But you could ask the other two older, more seasoned priests that were on how they felt about being called baby priests. Okay, I'm going to ask them go. that. The uh, so what's going on? What are we doing? What like what's what do we have going on the next week? It's actually kind of a busy week. Speaking of seminarians, when this comes out, we'll have just announced a new seminarian. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, in the diocese of Camden, that's very exciting. I uh, can't talk about who he is yet because he hasn't been announced, but I did get a chance to meet him by accident. Seems like a lovely guy. Very excited about him joining the fold. So that's mm-hmm. nice. Then uh, let's see, the Monday this comes out, we have, at least on our podcast feed anyway, um, we will have the weddings of the seas in many of our communities, along with the uh, the vigil feast of the Assumption uh, on and, Monday. And the blessing but, of the Delaware River. Don't forget and that. The bl- I believe we count that as a wedding of a sea. No, I know, but it's called something different. It's um, very, it's exciting. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun, but this. Well, no, I just realized why it's probably different is because the wedding of the sea is a traditionally Italian, uh, traditionally Italian event um, in a lot of seafaring towns. But of course, our one Irish town had to take it that's on a river and call it something else. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. I am too. It should be fun. So if anybody's in Gloucester, Gloucester, did I say it right? Gloucester City? Gloucester City. It's only been two years. Remember when I first came here, I was calling it Gloucester. You're like, it's yeah. not Massachusetts. That's, that's right. Anyway, around, I think it's six o'clock in Gloucester City along the Delaware River and St. Mary's Parish. They're going to meet it around the area and process down and uh, bless the Delaware River. And then there's going to be artwork displayed that kind of um details the history of the the area and the river itself so it should be fun and actually uh next month as a matter of fact since you mentioned that i believe on september 17th st mary's in gloucester is celebrating its 175th anniversary yeah uh, yeah it predates the uh the diocese by almost 100 years but it is a uh very exciting for them. and you'll be there right you're, you're going to be there taking yeah. photos I will so be there taking photos. Listeners, if you want to meet Mike Walsh in person and get autographs, he will be at the 175th anniversary. Or, or more likely, if you have a would like to register a complaint, uh, feel free to, <laughs> to, to, to run into me there. But you'll also run into me at the Wedding of the Sea in Wildwood on Monday night and the Wedding of the Sea in Atlantic City on Tuesday at noon, as a matter of fact, for the... Feast of the Assumption Masses, and the, and then the the following wedding of the sea. And so the it's a blast. city is somewhere different this year, right, Mike? Yes, it's at the Hard Rock Casino, uh, which I had an opportunity to tour uh, about two weeks ago, and uh, I think that venue is going to work out just just right for us. It, it's a 
close enough to the beach that it's easy to process from the the theater there out to the uh, out to the out to the shoreline. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun and tons of great food. I had to walk through their food court three or four times, and um, the gelato stand almost got me the last time. Uh, it will get me on Tuesday. <laughs> I, I assure you of, of that. They also have a uh, oh shoot, I forget what the name of the place is called. All of a sudden, what's that? A famous Atlantic City sandwich shop, Jen? Oh, um, oh my goodness! You mean the one yeah. where like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin? Yeah, that? yeah, that one. Well, I didn't realize that the, the Hard Rock has a uh, a second a second venue there. That's oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's awesome. Oh, and, and uh, make sure when you go down to Wildwood on, on Monday, you hit all the, the Piro's establishments. There's a lot uh -huh. of Piro's places down there. And, he, you know, they're connected to one of our seminarians. So we got to make sure we're also frequent in them. Oh, White House Subs. White House Subs. Thank you, Father Adam. Thank okay. you. Our guests are sending subliminal messages. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, and, uh, wait, really oh, quick, I just want to say what? anybody who... Uh, checks out our diocesan social media we'll have our young people and in, in atlantic city next week for summer or this week for summer in the city which is about uh, 20 young people from around the diocese who spend time together in prayer and social service projects i know they'll be helping out at catholic charities and doing some cemetery cleanup and helping a farm pick vegetables so we'll be um posting photos and some snippets of information so keep our do you know prayer. But do you know if they're picking vegetables or are they gleaning vegetables? Are they what? Gle gleaning. Gleaning? I don't know so, what that actually, means. You need to read your Bible, Ms. Morrow. Gleaning is actually a religious practice where, uh, as I recall, farmers uh, allow people to go into the fields to uh, be able to pick for the, for the community's benefit. So when cat when summer in the city folks do that, it's actually part of the gleaning process where they can go and and then those that food is given over to uh, food banks. It's almost like an in kind donation, but it's biblical. It's actually in the Bible, or more likely, someone told me it's in the Bible, and I'm just going with it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you called yourself out. No I'm problem. Gonna ask our guests these questions. Talking about yeah. guests, should we get to it? <laughs> Okay, the, the the commentary that's going on underneath this, this video <laughs> stuff is fantastic. <laughs> I wish our listeners could see it. Yes, I believe we need to invite our guests on because they had a fantastic trip to World Youth Day, which is I don't know why it's called World Youth Day because it's actually World Youth Week. Uh, but they had a they had a pilgrimage to Portugal, uh, Lisbon, and Fatima mm -hmm. uh, to for the World Youth Day festivities, and uh, two of their uh priest leaders are on the podcast with us today and uh, three of the seminarians so jen who do we have with us today okay um today we have father adam chachowski who is the diocesan director of vocations and he's also the rector of the cathedral of the immaculate conception in camden hi father oh, hi jen thanks for having me <laughs> we also have Father Josh Nevitt, who is the Associate uh, associate Director of Vocations for the Diocese. Hi, Father. Hey, Jen. We have our transitional deacon with us, and uh, that is Ricardo Lozano-Cruz. Thank you very much for having me. 
Hello. Hello. And then we have seminarians with us. We have Thomas Piero. Hello, Tom. And we have Hello, Jen. And we have Nicholas Nacion. Hey, Jen. How are you doing? Did I get that one right? You did. Very impressive. Mike Walsh. One, two, three, four, five out of five. The, the funny part was you got Camden wrong and you got associate wrong. But I, I appreciate the fact you didn't. This time you got the names right and the other stuff wrong. What do you mean? Uh, you said Candom. You said C-A-N-D-E-M, which is for some reason people around here always invert the N and the M. And I will never understand it. But it's a, it's a classic thing. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to give you a look through this <laughs> screen and my eyes are going to narrow. I respect that. So Father yeah. Chehesky. Uh, uh, is it normal to refer to young priests as baby priests, and is that a beloved term? Yeah, I, I know. I heard that term a lot, and um, it, it kind of like you know the first couple times you hear it, it's funny, but then the you know it, it does get old after a while. Um, but you know, baby priest, you know that's pretty much what we are. I mean, probably all priests are babies in that sense that we're very uh, <laughs> needy and. Uh, <laughs> But I think um, I think that's a good description of it because you are really kind of learning how to walk. So, I mean, it does make sense, but I can see how guys could take offense to it. Um, and technically, I guess we're baby priests for a while. So I only hear it once or twice anymore. Um, <laughs> not a lot of people use it. So thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, just me. Well, that's because Father Adam and Father Josh are so, so youthful in their in their in their young priesthood. How about you, yeah. Father Josh? Are you okay with the, the terminology of baby priest? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Father Adam and I are both, uh, because there there is, Mike, a, a peer group for the priest ordained five years and less. And uh, Father, I'm ordained five years now, and Father Adam six years. So we're, we've both graduated from the baby priest group, and uh, <laughs> we're, we are now toddler priest. <laughs> careful that may stick i like <laughs> not be able to forget that i like that so um so fathers adam and father josh would you like to give uh listeners uh like so what is world youth day and why is it more than just one day yeah um you know world youth day was started by pope john paul ii in the 80s uh the mid 80s and, and he had a vision of bringing young people from all over the world together um that was one of John Paul II's great legacies in the church was, was the love of young people for him and, and his love of young people from the time, really from the time he was a young priest, he worked with youth and uh, he brought that into his papacy. So now World Youth Day is actually celebrated every year. Most people don't realize this, but it's celebrated every year on Palm Sunday as a World Youth Day. Um, but every Two to three years is, is really becoming three to four years as the event is getting bigger. Um, but every few years they have the international celebration of World Youth Day, um, which was held this year in, in Lisbon, Portugal, as you mentioned, Mike. And we just came back. And that's a gathering of young people from all over the world to come together. The, the days uh, celebrated on the off years are usually just celebrated in the dioceses. Um and a diocese is encouraged to have activities related to that. But the the last few ones, um, 2023 in Lisbon, and that had been postponed a year because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, 2019 was in Panama. 
2016 in Krakow. Um, and Father Adam and I were both there when we were seminarians. And um, before that, I think it was in Rio uh, de Janeiro in 2013. And those are the ones Pope Francis has attended. The, Uni- the international celebrations the Pope always attends. Um, so we were there with, with about a million and a half Catholics and the Pope himself. That was it. I was going to say, who else? How, how many were in the group that that went from the diocese of Camden, and did you meet up with some other diocese from the state? Father Adam. <laughs> so there's about uh, twenty of us uh, all together in the group. So we had eight seminarians. Um, Father Josh, Father um, Ed Friel came along with us, um, and that left uh, about nine other lay. Um, young people from both Camden and Trenton. So it was a combined effort. So we had um, people from from both of those dioceses. Um, and then the place where we stayed was actually housing a lot of uh, pilgrims from the United States as well. So there was a huge group from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. So we saw some familiar faces there too with uh, Matt Davis and uh, Father Steve DeLacy. Um, we saw people from Texas um, that were there. Uh, there was a high school seminary actually from Wisconsin that was there. Um, so it was you know, just a great mix in the, in the hotel. And then while you're out in World Youth Day, we were laughing because Father Josh was running into somebody he knew almost every couple minutes. There was a new classmate or somebody that he had, had known. And the same for me was running into like people I haven't seen in years. And then we meet in Portugal. So it was uh, just a, a great experience in that sense where we ran into people just without even knowing that they were there. It's just really coincidence that uh, we happened to, to run into all these people. So it was just a great mix, I think, from the United States itself um, so that we were able to, to see a lot of old friends, but also make a lot of new friends too in the, in the process. And our seminarians as well. I think we walked in and uh, we were in the airport and I remember... <laughs> Tom and Nick, who were both on the podcast, were pointing out some of the guys they knew from the seminary at St. Joseph's and Dunwoody. Uh, they're saying, oh, there's that guy, there's that guy. They were running out of line to go say hi to them and stuff. And I actually sat next to the seminary on the way back in the flight, which was funny. Wow. Yeah. So was that plane when you flew over to Portugal mainly full of World Youth Day pilgrims? Yes. World Youth Day pilgrims and and the poor few people who planned a trip to Lisbon without realizing that <laughs> the Pope and a million and a half people would be there. Um, oh, oh no, that that was fun to explain to them. What yeah, you could that? you could see them on the line and they kind of looked like, what the heck is going on? Like, why are there five hundred people in line for Tap Airlines on a Sunday night? <laughs> Priests and nuns included. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we we talked about how World Youth Day is is a pilgrimage, and uh, so it sort of culminates in this mass. But there's there's actually a lot to it. So, uh, for our listeners who who weren't aware, while our seminarians were overseas, every day uh, they were sending back about a hundred words of detail, some less. Some a lot more. Some some folks got very verbose in, in how they were uh, explaining what was going on that day. It was beautiful. It was. Uh, the only pro- the only problem was for the editor who had to put all that stuff together, which happened to be me. 
but uh they at 10 30 at night i know it's it, poor me the 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 hurdles i have to, to to leap um and the other editor had to go through them all and whittle them down into a thousand words for two pages in the catholic star herald <laughs> yeah but i was worried less about her because I, I took the first part <laughs> of the um the but so if anybody would actually actually like to go through them and see the photos and hear the and, and read what they had to say you know all that's available most act most uh collectively on our Facebook pages on our Catholic Star Herald Facebook page where you can also find a gallery of all the photos from that they took while they were there but we thought it would be a good idea to, to have them on and sort of talk about their, their personal experiences but before we we ask them their qu- one question I, I do want to go back to Father Josh for a second and just ask you so it is a pilgrimage there are se- several days of this so what were the days leading up to the finale of World Youth Day like what happened each day yeah, what happened each day? World Youth Day usually follows a similar schedule each day. So Tuesday night, um, there's always an opening mass, and um, they use two main locations for these international events. Um, what are they called? Does anyone remember what they called the first one? Park Edward the Seventh, but they they like gave new names to these parks. So there's like, you know, we have I don't know the Parkway in Philly, but then they would call it something like the parkway of joy or something like that. Um, but we, there's the opening mass celebrated by the, the Cardinal Patriarch of Lisbon. The Archbishop of Lisbon is called a Patriarch um, on Tuesday evening. And that's really the big kickoff to world youth day. Then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, they have these, they called them rise up sessions, but they're catechesis and they're gatherings of, the young people in various languages and various venues throughout the city. Some in churches, uh, ours were done in in a park um, that they had set up a big stage and everything. And uh, usually, it's given by a bishop. So they have and and the mass in that language takes place there in, in those venues. So that was on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And um, Wednesday, our group also made a pilgrimage to Fatima. Um, and to Santarem, where a Eucharistic miracle had happened. Um, the Pope arrived on Wednesday, but he spent most of Wednesday doing his his civil visits to the president of Portugal and Congress and things like that. Then Thursday evening is the welcome ceremony for the Pope after the catechesis. Friday evening, there's always stations of the cross uh, with the Pope in attendance. And then Saturday um, is really the big day of pilgrimage. So to accommodate really a million and a half people, they're not all at these other events. They they usually have a bigger venue on the outskirts of the city. And they called this venue Campo de Grasa, the, the, the camp or the field of grace. And there was a, a huge stage there. They were that that's where a million and a half people all gathered on Saturday. So we spent Saturday in the day making our way out there. There was a vigil ceremony with the Pope on Saturday night. And that includes a speech from the Holy Father and Eucharistic adoration. And then the pilgrims, for the most part, camp out there Saturday night in sleeping bags and on mats and, and everything right under the stars. Um, and then it concludes on Sunday morning with the mass with the Holy Father, still in the same place. So he got to go home that night and sleep in his nice bed wherever he was staying. But then he came back on Sunday morning 
And um, we had, they called it the massive missioning because the idea was um, everyone who attends World Youth Day is being sent on mission back home to bring what they've received back to their home countries and dioceses. Um, I don't, I, I don't, whoever wants to answer this one, I was really curious in the photos from when you were camping out, it looks like people were like building trenches or, or something. Can you, somebody explain what that was about? Like, I was wondering what was going on there. When we um, built our, not built our camp, but when we found our place to camp, we were only probably about 50 feet away from water stations and they had water stations kind of sporadic um, throughout the, the city of Lisbon where you could get your water bottle filled up and you could drink it because it was uh, very hot in a, a lot of the days and we're in the middle of the sun, but in this big camp, you're in these open fields. So it's just the sun is kind of baking down on you, but they had made all these kind of water stations for each of the sections that we were in. And this water section near us was probably about 50 feet from us. So it wasn't, you know, too far. Um, but when people, especially you know, certain Europeans were going through there, they don't always turn the water off after using it. So they're just letting it run, letting it run. So it's pooling up. And then um, it started it was, to get the dirt, into- It was a dirt field. So everything was turning to mud. There was no drains under these water stations. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so everything just builds up and eventually it starts to creep into where the people are supposed to be. And with, you know, the expected- crowd they need every inch of that that place so i think they were french scouts that came over because yeah. i wasn't there when it happened but um i heard about it and then i seen the pictures but the, these french scouts came over and uh, dug these trenches to keep the water from going any farther um and then they also took over the water station to make sure that nobody was just letting the water run so that made the water line a lot faster and um made things a lot smoother in that section yeah, I, you know, it was really, um, it was honestly beautiful in a way, because you would think with a million and a half people coming together, there would be fights and arguments and, you know, people would be yelling at each other. And that was not the case. And, and in this case, um, these scouts saw that there was a need, that the the ground was being flooded, people couldn't camp there, and that, you know, someone needed to organize this line a little bit. And they just stepped up and did it. No one asked them to do it. They weren't getting any recognition for doing it. They weren't official volunteers with World Youth Day. They just saw a need and, and filled it without being asked. And that was really uh, a beautiful moment for me of World Youth Day to see humanity coming together. Yeah. When you all were um, out there that night, like I said, looking at some of the pictures, were you overwhelmed? Uh, you know, just looking out and seeing hundreds of thousands of like-minded Catholic Christians there for the same reason. Um, maybe Nick or Tom, one of you could answer that. Yeah, sure. When um, during adoration, there was that moment of silence when we were before the Blessed Sacrament and we were like probably well over a mile away, but nonetheless, we were still participating. And I remember trying to get a picture. It was my day to take pictures. I tried to get a picture of two of our seminarians and all you see are just this crowd, this ocean of young people behind them doing exactly what we're doing. We're all kneeling on this dirt field uh, before the Blessed Sacrament, who's, like I said, far, far away. We're looking 
everything we see is through a screen really but just like seeing that the amount was just truly incredible like it was definitely probably the biggest group i've ever been with like 1.5 million people so that was very overwhelming like looking at that deacon ricardo before you even uh left i'm curious like what did you expect that the the pilgrimage to World Youth Day was going to be like? And then did it actually meet those expectations or was it something else? Or Thank you. So, yes. So actually, this was my first time in World Youth Day. Uh, I've heard many beautiful things uh, before in the past. I saw this, uh, the, the big crowds on TV. And certainly, I, I, on myself, I, I was saying maybe this will, this is going to be crowded. And uh, but I was really overwhelmed and very inspired by seeing all these, you know, people from all over the world, all of them going to mass and all of them kneeling before the holy sacrament, the blessed sacrament, praying the rosary, going together as one family. And this is where I was able to see the faith of the one church. Uh, the, the Catholic church is one. And I was able to see the oneness of, of our church, the beauty of our church, but also the diversity of our church. So I, I, I was really grateful, really inspired to see this. And I was able to see how these expectations, um, even though a little bit immature to some extent, because I didn't know the reality of this event, uh, they came to 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 be shaped by in a beautiful way by the reality of the faith of all these people coming together and praying as one family and the, with the young spirit. Uh, so it was really impressive to me, and I really look forward to maybe going back, you know, in the future again and to share our faith and to be able to be an instrument for others. And Nick, you know, um, you know, pilgrimages. I've only ever been on. Well, I've been on a few pilgrimages, but I've only better been on one international pilgrimage. And it can be, you know, particularly when it's with a lot of people, there can be a lot of, uh, it could be sometimes more like work than, uh, than a, a spiritually nourish nourishing event. Did you find that um, having to move around so much took away from the event or was it, was that something that's kind of like added to it because you were kind of like, you know, you kind of had to be driven for whatever you were going to get out of the pilgrimage. I mean, it was definitely kind of challenging moving to the different places. Uh, I mean, I remember the going into opening mass, not really knowing what to expect. That was the first kind of gathering of everybody. We were like shoulder to shoulder, like sardines, trying to get through one little uh, security checkpoint. So that that type of stuff, and that happened multiple times every time you went in and out, big crowd like that was very overwhelming, uh, especially for someone like me that doesn't like crowds. I don't do well with crowds. So it was very overwhelming. So in those moments, you're like, not at all focused on spirituality or any, any aspect of, of uh, positivity. And then, then you get to the event and, and the mass starts and going through what you went through to get there almost makes that more meaningful. And uh, definitely, I, I do think that added to, to the experience experience and nourishment uh, uh spiritually that that we we got out of it and i mean that's kind of the point of a pilgrimage in my mind it's it, it is a sacrifice and it's something that kind of we go out of our way to do to get to something uh holy so the, the journey as difficult as it might be to going to each of these events uh 
definitely contributed to to the the beauty of the events themselves. Now, um, now, famously, um, you know, when you guys will attend these events, you know, you're you're dressed, you know, in your normal attire. Father Adam and Father Josh, I saw, were were in full collar. Uh, pants seemed to be more of a sort of catch. Some some were short, some were pants. Uh, it was, they were look comfortable, but the it was, uh, it was guys, almost a hundred degrees, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> collars and shorts look good in that weather. Um, the but for the seminarians, I noticed a couple of times you were wearing seminarian t-shirts. Uh, that seminarian on the on the back of that. Now, every time I see you guys out and about and you're wearing your seminarian stuff, people seem to flock to you guys to, to be able to touch a soon-to-be baby priest. Um, Tom, did you find that uh, walking around in your seminarian gear made you pseudo-celebs? Were you getting a lot of attention because of that? Yeah, people would definitely come up. Like, um, I was walking. It's when we were in the camp. It was right before we had the um, the vigil. So we got there at like three in the afternoon and I started walking around with the three other seminarians and a few people from our group. And I was wearing the seminarian shirt. And as I'm walking, I kind of was talking to somebody else. So I was kind of behind the group I was with. But then this girl from, I forget where, like uh, Slovakia came running up to me and she's like, your shirt says a uh, seminarian. What does that mean? And I'm like, I said, oh, it means I'm studying to be a priest. And she was like shocked because she was like, she, that's what she thought it was. Her English wasn't the best. And she and I just started talking about it. And then I met another group of people from Texas that were seminarians as well. You know, they were all college seminarians. So I was connecting with them. We were talking, but even like people from like Ireland, Australia, they were very much like attracted to that. And they, they were talking to us, asking us questions. And, and it's always that question that's like, what made you want to become a priest? You know, like they always are fascinated with that answer. And, it, and I always tell them like, I have nothing special. It's <laughs> answered out of high school. I don't have no, I have no big conversion story. I don't have, <laughs> but nonetheless, they're always fascinated with it just because of how unique mm -hmm. the uh, call to the priesthood is. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the great things about world youth day. And the fact that you identified yourself as seminarians is that, other people who had questions that are young, who maybe maybe they feel called or maybe they just have questions in general, could openly talk to you, and you know, in a in a safe space. I, I'm, yeah, that's all. I just think that'd be great. Like if I was a young person discerning or not, I would have a million questions. I have a million questions now. I just don't even ask them. <laughs> so uh, you know, one of the things uh, that the Father Adam and Father Josh were talking about was the. I think catechesis sessions that you that you attended every day. Um, Deacon Ricardo, what was one of the catechetical sessions that stood out for you? Okay, I would say that um, the whole event itself was a catechetical session to me to see all these crowds. Uh, but a very special image that, that I bring with me in my heart to see and all these people going to confession. So there were like a kind of a, I don't know how to describe it, like a tents, wood tents built by prisoners uh, in, in some of, in like a, one of the places of the city where people were able to go for confession. And there were many, like plenty of priests here in confessions. And that was really, really powerful. And you were able to see 
uh, the power, you know, of the sacrament and the, the the faith that people have in the need for forgiveness that we all need, we all have in our hearts. So th that was a, a catechetical session for me because God within in the future, hopefully I'll be able to hear confessions. And that's something I really look, I'm looking forward to. And I really want to embrace that ministry with love, uh, self-giving, passion and, and patience. So it's not easy, but it's a beautiful ministry. So uh, that was really powerful. And uh, another event I was able to attend that I was able to attend was uh, an actor. His name was uh, Jonathan. And uh, the movie he recorded was Father Joshua. Maybe you can help me with that. He It was Jonathan Rumi, uh, who plays yes. Jesus in The Chosen. Oh, the Chosen. wow. So uh, he oh, was able, yes, he was really able to engage the crowds in a catechetical session in a very powerful way because he showed himself as he is a human, simple being. Mm -hmm. And this was a famous guy uh, prompting the crowds to go to confession, to go to mass, to pray in, in a very simple way. And I think that's that's what we need. We need simplicity, but we also need the, the truth, the truth, you know, in our lives. And that was a really powerful experience for me, too, as I was able to engage the catechetical sessions uh, in this event. You know, Deacon Ricardo, I, uh, I have to imagine this was uh, doubly uh, enjoyable for you because you were also able to serve at the masses uh, several times. I, I have to imagine that's uh, that's a great experience for uh, for someone in the tr transitional diaconate to be a part of something so so huge. Yes, uh, yeah, the the most powerful moment. I mean, every Eucharist is a very special moment for us. Uh, but a very, a very powerful moment for me was uh, being able to serve as a deacon uh, at the Holy Trinity Church or Sanctuary in Fatima. That was like a wow. When I was behind the altar, I felt very small. Who am I to do this? Who am I to be here? And to see all this massive crowd, you know, of people eager, longing for the, 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 the Eucharist, longing for, for Jesus, you know, waiting for Jesus to be, to come to them through the Holy Eucharist. That was really powerful. That was really beautiful. And uh, that was also my opportunity to consecrate myself to the Virgin Mary, to, to be able to say, I can do this by myself. And there is always a need for God's grace and God's redemption and his assistance in this difficult journey, beautiful journey also. And Father Adam and, and Father uh, uh, Josh, I have to imagine, is it still uh, a big deal for you guys to be able to concelebrate during these massive masses for, you know, with so many people around you? I mean, is that, is that still, is that a fun thing to do, to be at, at one of these? Yeah, it is. It is, you know, it, um, one, uh, I mean, so Father Adam speaks Spanish. I, I know Italian. Um, most of the big masses were in Portuguese. So we had to brush up on that language <laughs> a little bit, uh, similar to the languages we speak. But it it's interesting when you bring all of these priests together, um, you know, from all over the world. And uh, we were sitting there, we met um, priests and vocations work from all around the world. Uh, 
I think there was Father Adam. You met that vocation director from Africa, right? Uh, yes, one of the yeah. And uh, you know, to come together and and to be with priests and and see that we're all in it together. Um, there's one point where I was seated next to a priest at, at one of the English masses um, at the catechetical sessions, and uh, we we got chatting, and all of a sudden he said, "Oh, you're from the diocese of Camden." I said, "Yeah." He said. I'm from New York. I know you're a bishop, Bishop Sullivan. I said, well, I live with Bishop <laughs> Sullivan. So we were taking selfies and, and I, I was sending it back to the bishop. Um, but to come together that way, that's, that's you know, just as beautiful. I think they said there were 10,000 priests present there. Um, wow. 10,000 priests. And I'm, I'm not the best at math, but... I, I think that's something like if you did 10,000 priests into 1.5 million people, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, still a big ratio, you know? Yeah. And, and very, uh, very comforting that uh, there were so many priests there. And as for that matter, so many women religious, uh, you, you guys ran into a couple of our uh, friends from the CFRs in two different cases. Uh, one, one with the, the Irish group, right. You ran into sister Agnes, right. And then, mm -hmm. You ran into Sister Chiara as well, right? What yes. group was she with? Sister Chiara was with um, the group from Eng. Yeah, she's in she's in England now. Um, okay. And so the the CFRs have a movement called Youth Two Thousand, and they brought some of the young people from that group. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Fatima. Um, Jen, I forget. Have you been to Fatima? Did you tell me you've been to Fatima? Yes. I've yes, been you've been to. Fatima. I have not been to Fatima. Um, because I've also never been to Portugal. The Nick, what was that like? I mean, that's you know, that's one of those places that um, you know, Catholics have a oftentimes have a strong devotion to Our Lady, and and certainly the her apparition in Fatima is is one of the more famous ones. I'm curious, was that was the pilgrimage there? Was that something that touched your heart as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that day. From go, before the pilgrimage, I think that's what everybody was kind of really looking forward to. Fatima was definitely a highlight of the pilgrimage. And uh, when we got there, that's the day Deacon Ricardo was just referencing to when he at Holy Trinity Basilica. Uh, so we we, had, we got to be part of a mass there, uh, to celebrate mass. That was one of my favorite masses that we went to uh, during the pilgrimage because, I don't know, we were in a church. That was the only time, in, well, one of the few times during the whole week that we were in a church. Um, which I don't know, that's just a different atmosphere, but, uh, but yet it's still that church in particular, like shows how important it is where you are and, and the importance of the place. Um, cause that, that church that we were in Holy Trinity Basilica was built specifically for pilgrims because too many people were coming to Fatima and the other church that was originally there couldn't hold them. So that's this massive basilica was made. So it was it was cool to be a part of that, that, like you said, this is probably one of the biggest pilgrimage sites for Catholics in the world, uh, arguably. So just, just to be there, it, I don't know that I've even fully kind of decompressed and understood like the gravity of visiting, but, but it was definitely something that you could feel while you were there, uh, just the magnanimity of, of being there. How about you, Tom? What was Fatima like for you? 
I was very happy to be in Fatima, especially because growing up, my mom has a huge devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. So as a kid, we always watched like the 13th day, Our Lady of Fatima from like the 50s, that movie. <laughs> so being there was really awesome. And also because my first year of seminary was 2017. So that was the 100th anniversary of Fatima. So we had a lot of conferences mm-hmm. about the apparitions. So being able to stand in the apparition chapel was very moving for me. You know, I remember it was after the big mass in the Basilica that we all kind of split up and I went right to the apparition chapel with uh, another seminarian just praying there and like trying to recognize like, this is where Our Lady appeared to three children was beautiful. And also we did the Stations of the Cross in Fatima, which is outside the sanctuary. So, but the Stations of the Cross follows the route that the three shepherd children took from their small little village to the uh, place of the apparition. So we were able to walk the very path that the three children walked. And that was really moving as well. Was your your mother particularly thrilled with the fact that... uh... You got to go? Happy. She actually said, she's like, because I said, oh, we only did one day in Fatima. And she's like, what? The whole point of going? I thought, I said, you're a little youth day with in point. She's like, yeah, but one day in Fatima. I said, well, oh, no, one day in, we'll go back. One we'll day go in back Fatima is still better than zero days in Fatima. Exactly. <laughs> I should ask I was, you, how many days have you been in Fatima? Good point. Yeah, don't say that to your mother. No, no I would never say that. <laughs> I won't get said. <laughs> so, Deacon Ricardo, how about you? What was the what was the Fatima uh, pilgrimage? How was it meaningful to you? Uh, yes. Uh, first of all, the city was really peaceful. Uh, when you enter Fatima, it's, you really feel it. It's a holy, sacred place. And as we were praying the the the, the way of the cross uh, uh, close to the to the sanctuary, um, something beautiful happened. So as we were uh, getting ready to pray the 14th station, a very gentle breeze came upon us, and I said, "This is like the gentle touching of the Blessed Mother coming to us also." And wow. that was really beautiful, really powerful, and being able to be there and walk the way. The shepherd, uh, the three shepherd children walked. That was really powerful, beautiful, and uh, and there was a kind of a very a, a special uh, silence uh, in the sanctuary and all over the place. Even though it was crowded, uh, not too, not very crowded like in the city in Lisbon, but when there was many people, there was a, a still a, a that sense of prayerfulness, a meditation, reflection, and uh, being able to experience that was really really nice, powerful. And uh, uh, seeing the the main chapel, there is a main chapel there where the apparitions took place. Uh, that was crowded, and but you were able to see people kneeling the whole time in there, the whole time praying and and uh, at mass doing the rosary. That was really really inspiring to see, and uh, you can see that this is real. Fatima is real. The Blessed Mother is talking to us today in many beautiful ways, in different ways. So she wants us to be attentive. And the sanctuary of Fatima is a reminder that she is present to us today in the church, in our lives, in society. And we we got to be attentive to that. Jen, is that, is, are these the same feelings you had when you went to Fatima? Did you feel the, the gentle touch of Mary? 
I was, I, th I think I mentioned last week, I was surprised when I went to Fatima. I, th Fatima was the first, um, like, official shrine that I had been to. Like, I've been on some retreats that were, um, anyway, the, the biggest one. So I was just surprised. Um, I guess I, because of everything I knew about Fatima, I knew it would be big, but I was still kind of expecting, like, this quiet little place. And it's not quiet, and it's not... Um, it's not little, it's very large, but absolutely. Like once I got over the shock of just how um, big everything was, grand everything was, then once you sit and just be with yourself and with the spirit, you can't help but feel that something you're, you're, you're among, you're among something special and something holy. So absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Switching gears, uh, I was surprised at one thing that came through, uh, you know, my my emails uh, during that week of World Youth Day festivities, something I, I didn't know about and I was genuinely shocked by. Um, which one of which of you people were crazy enough to sleep out the night before in the park? Because I, I, I've been dying to know this. I want to know who the lunatics are. All right. So Father Josh is lunatic. Father Adam's nuts. Who any, any of the seminarians crazy enough to sleep out there? No, that's right. You guys are bright. <laughs> Not these seminarians. <laughs> <laughs> so to explain to me the purpose of and why you camp out in apparently not even in a tent, just under the stars. Just under the stars. Um, you know, you have to move 1.5 million people and, uh, the the World Youth Day in, in Krakow, that was 2 million at the closing mass. I think the, the largest one was 5 million in the Philippines at the closing mass. So the easiest way to do it just is to have everyone sleep out. Um, we were very lucky. Our hotel was only about a half hour walk from where this closing mass would be. Uh, for others, they, they were walking like 10K or more to get from their place wow. where they were staying to to the park wow. um so the company that took us we went with 206 tours they had initially planned for us to go back to the hotel that night uh, because of how close we were and as friday and saturday went on and we came to see um some of the security restrictions that would be in place um especially for the priests we had to be in our places uh, to get our vestments by 5.30 a.m. and to be in our places by about 7.30 a.m. Um, so we, some of our group uh, decided they wanted to camp out. And we weren't even prepared for it, but our tour guide brought us to a European sporting goods store where we all bought sleeping bags and tarps and blow-up pillows and everything that day. Um, so we, we really decided kind of last minute those who did sleep out we decided on saturday morning that that was what we wanted to do was it comfortable i mean sleeping under this i i have slept under the stars is what it you know it can be a wonderful experience i've never attempted to do it when the daytime temperature is 100 degrees so was it like was it comfortable like was it no. did you actually get a decent night's sleep no 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 father adam says no too <laughs> well one of the, the best parts so another like great blessing of the the trip was they give you these food passes the whole week um, that you're there where you can go and Portugal had a great setup where you go to different restaurants and they would scan 
like this barcode on your credentials and you'd have like a pilgrim meal. Um, but for the vigil, they suspend that for about 24 hours. Um, and to help you, they give you this like sack of food. Um, so like, like, you know, kind of freeze dried stuff, stuff that, you know, will last forever. Um, but there's some good stuff in there too. So, um, they give you this with the goal of saying this is going to last you for the next 24 hours. So my, I made the mistake really in uh, Poland when we went, Father Josh and I, I'm not eating a lot. So like the next day I woke up and I was just miserable, you know, and then we had to walk about, it was probably about six or seven hour walk back to our, our place. Um, so this time I was eating a lot of the food, which was, you know, not bad. It's not the, the best, um, but it was just um, a great, thing and the, i started talking about the food because that was right next to our hotel so we didn't have to walk far to get that um to begin our journey um but you know doing that kind of you know kept things on the the up and up for for myself i know just to kind of stay hydrated and to kind of be smart about it and um you know it wasn't something i was looking forward to so i was happy when i had news that we were staying in the hotel but then when the option was in front of us. Uh, I knew I wanted to take it because it's a amazing experience. And it's something that, you know, you, where else can you go to sleep and then wake up and be surrounded by a million people that are just, yeah. you know, all over the place and people that are just sacrificing. I mean, you'd see people without sleeping bags, without anything, really, you know, they're just on the ground. It's crazy. It was, I was actually, if anything, I was slightly disappointed that there weren't more photographs that came back from that night because had I been there, I would, I would have shot everything left and right, but cause it was kind of brightly lit, but at the same time, it had this sort of like beautiful glow to it all. Like, so I, I'm not shocked that you guys didn't actually get a good night's sleep, but I can absolutely yeah. understand why it was such a uh, moving experience. You know, of course, so it, it was rocky ground, uh, very rocky. And then they were, I remember they were playing some video about Pope Francis on the the big screens until one o'clock in the morning. Um, and I kept falling asleep and waking up and I was dreaming about Pope Francis and then I'd wake up and I'd <laughs> see this documentary they had made about him or whatever. That was in English, so I could understand it. Oh, that's funny. The uh, and so you you also went you was more than just the seminaries you mentioned you went with a bunch of lay people did they seem to have as as powerful an experience as our our seminarians did? I think Probably they Josh. did. Yeah, they they definitely did. Um, you know, and it was great getting to know them and and chat with them and uh, seeing the way that the ways they would ask the seminarians questions and. Um, I think our seminarians served as an example of faith to to them, um, both from our diocese and the Trenton diocese. You know, there was one parish in the Trenton diocese that had four people from the same parish that went. And um, these four young adults were really leaders in their young adult community and wanted to go back and use this experience to grow their parish uh, young adult group um, so that it, it was very impactful. Uh Tom, and do you think, and not us, this of all of our seminarians, is this the kind of thing you're, when you're, God, God willing, when you're, you're priest in the near future, will you encourage young people to go to World Youth Day? Yeah, I would definitely encourage it, especially if like, like the parish had like a school, like a high school or something like that. I would be definitely something that people should experience because you're gathered with everybody you're 
young people, the youth of the church. Um, throughout World Youth Day, you could hear the people saying a Spanish phrase translated as like, we youth. This is the youth of constantly chanting that whenever the Pope would come by, come by and say like, the faith is alive. Mm -hmm. Despite what we may see, we may not be what we were, you know, 200 years ago. But nonetheless, the faith is still alive. The ember is still burning. And I think World Youth Day is a chance to light up if, if they were to go. How about you, Nick? You're, you're going to be encouraging young people to attend? With yeah, or without, definitely. I think, with or without sleeping bags? Without, preferably. But <laughs> no, we'll go buy them the day of like we did or like they did. But uh, I definitely think events like this uh, are very beneficial for the youth. A lot of the reasons that Tom just said, um, especially just it, it's it's an interesting dynamic that you're experiencing a witness as well as being a witness at the same time uh, whenever you go on a trip like this and you're in a situation like that. So to me, that that's a great opportunity for the youth of the church, like Tom said, just to recognize that they're not alone. Um, and the church isn't gone and that there is, there is a place for them and it's vibrant. Yeah. And, and like you said, there's that light over the Campo de Grasa, like they are the light. We are the light. Um, it's a great experience to be able to, to recognize that firsthand. And Deacon Ricardo. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, an opportunity we have to experience at least once a life. Uh, in this opportunity, we're able to see, first of all, the richness of the church, the richness of uh, our faith, the one church uh, getting together. Secondly, we can see uh, how needy we are from the youth in, you know, in bringing the gospel to the world and going out courageously and, and bring hope to all of those who are far away from God. So we really need to see that in our, from our own experience. And thirdly, I think it's very beneficial for us to see a, a, the love that people have for the church because the good example, you know, is inspiring to all of us. And especially the young people need to see that today. Mm -hmm. Seeing people like them, like seeing, wow, they are going to Mass, they are kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament, they are praying together, they are walking together. And young people need to see that. And unfortunately, their faith remains futile because they don't see it. And this is the place to see uh, young people loving the church. And this is what we need to be inspired by in the future. So that brings a lot of hope and also gives us a sense of purpose, uh, which is where we are heading towards in the future. We all, we all are called to be holy. We are called to be ser to serve others. And we are called to, to be one uh, with the Pope, with our, with our bishops, with our priests. So there is a great sense of unity uh, in this great event. We are one church. Uh, everybody's welcome. And God, Jesus, is still present today. Uh, so I think it's a very helpful, uh, you know, great opportunity for us to strengthen our faith in so many beautiful ways. Deacon Ricardo, thank you very much. That was an excellent way to end the podcast. It was a great job. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for all the work you did in, in sending back photographs and, and travel logs from your time there. 
And uh, I can't wait to see which of you end up in uh, South Korea in a couple of years for the next World Youth Day. So <laughs> take it easy, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank Thanks you. Good.